Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chouinard. I'm here with Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops. And the Hawks are a 40-win team. Uh, when, when you were in the Peachtree Hoops roundtable at the beginning of the season, did you, did you peg the, the Hawks for 40 wins? I had about 39. So oh, you're, you're right there then. Uh, well, I mean, most you can be off by is what two yeah but i i think depending on who you're talking to that might make me a hater <laughs> a hater I don't, I don't think uh calling 39 and getting 41 makes you a hater yeah i i feel okay about it i, I just find some of the conversation going around about uh the hawks a little bit funny so uh just kind of uh, pointing that out um yeah there's lots so. of straw men and uh lots of uh regionalism but uh it's fine it's i mean i guess it, in a way you could be a hater in the sense that things didn't really go the hawks way on the way to 41 wins like no deandre hunter is going to be out uh for as long as as he was i mean you know they they had some relative health but bogdanovich was out for a good stretch too and you know I guess maybe Capella and Trey Young and John Collins, you know, you could look at those three as sort of foundational pieces that were right. healthy for most of the season, but they, they were missing two big ones for, for two long stretches. And Kevin Herter came up big uh, and a lot of Hawks came up big. And so 41 it is in, in, in spite of uh, some setbacks. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, they found ways to make, lineups work even with guys going into the lineup um you know even a guy like you know solomon hill who may not play very much in the season depending on who they actually get matched up with but you know he i think the only game he hasn't played in was a was a cp dnp um but just because they were they had everybody available i think one game you know in the first half of the season but just giving competent minutes you know, at the three and the four, you know, when the guys were out. Um, he was a flotation you know, device. For sure. Um, you know, and you know, the things that they were able to do until Congo was able to kind of come along and kind of find his footing and things like that. So just, you know, it's, I, I from that management point, it's been impressive. But, you know, I, it, it was a hard season to, to try to guess how much they might win because, it, first of all, it's just a weird season. And this was the first Hawks roster in this era, if we could you know, use that word, to be intending to win as many games as they could. And that can always be a little bit strange, you know, too. 
uh, then the condensed schedule and the COVID stuff and, and then how, you know, the basically no preseason, nine new player. I mean, it, to me, it was impossible, even if you thought highly of the team and I liked their depth a lot and how the depth could sure. factor in and help them in this season. But for me, what, what the hardest part was with no preseason, essentially, um, how long is it going to take to integrate all those pieces? You know, nine new players, um, you know, many of them, you know, key rotational pieces. Does that take a month? Does that take two months? And then the injuries came in and prevented them from really having a chance to, you know, doing a full on. So, so picking, trying to identify when you thought they might hit their stride was super hard. Um, and, but, you know, 39 is a, a pretty good number for, for where they're sitting. Yeah. And I, I'm confident they'll land on 41. So, you know, I, I'm okay with that. What do you think I've the spread worse. will be for, for, for the Houston game? Uh, is there a rule on how big it – like, is there a maximum <laughs> <laughs> spread? It's a logical in Vegas. maximum, maybe. I don't think there's a theoretical maximum. Yeah, I think you have to factor in, um, you know, how much garbage time comes into play. And uh, I don't – 14 and a half, if I had to guess. But – Weird things happen on the last day of the season. I know that. For sure. And yeah. Vegas knows that, it's too. Not, it's not Vegas a bet knows that, that I want to take. But, uh, you know, a team with some stakes versus a team that's not good with no stakes. You know, other than personal stakes, and those matter. I mean, the players certainly want to prove that they belong in the NBA. Yeah. And, they, and you know, Kevin Porter Jr., you never know when he might hang with 45 or so. and. You know, help the Rockets get to 110 or 115, and if the Hawks have a you know an off shooting night, suddenly you have a you know could have a, a game in the single day. Wouldn't be totally crazy if that happened. You know, down the stretch, you know, a lot of have to line up, but not crazy. So I, there's a reason I don't bet in NBA games. So, <laughs> this is an example of that. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I asked Capella tonight. I was like, well, what's, you know, he missed the last Rockets game. So I was like, well, what's it going to be like playing against Houston for the first time? And he's like, I don't think I'm going to know anybody that I'm playing against. Like, <laughs> it's it's not a homecoming from the player side because he doesn't know any of the players. He's like, I'm looking forward to seeing a couple of the coaches. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Did, He'd only been gone like Did they hold over? Months. Did 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 uh, Silas hold over a couple of coaches? I, I I'd have to. I look think it there up must be that. or some training staff or yeah, it, yeah. it could be further That's down normal. the line than the immediate coaching staff. But he, he called them coaches, sure. so sure. Uh, you you uh, I'm not sure if this was a tweet or a Slack or or what it was, but um, we saw Danilo Gallinari, I think, playing a little deeper into tonight's game than most of the other regular players in that sort of had you uh, espousing a little bit of a theory, and I wanted to hear more about that. Is that enough of a clue to, to get you going here? Yeah, I, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we saw a number of things tonight that might give us a little glimpse into what the best might look like. It, <coughs> excuse me. And it'll certainly matter who they're playing, but, um, you know, Gallo – does so much for them offensively, but in a postseason context, he's going to be really hunted, you know, defensively. And tonight we saw them running zone in the – I don't know if we saw it in the third quarter uh, or just early in the fourth quarter. I think it was some of both. Yeah, I think um, so. Where they had at least Herder, Okongwu, and Gallo 
and together and playing zone. And I think that was, you know, I think uh, Coach McMillan's thinking there may be times I need Gallo's offense on the court, and but I can't protect him defensively uh, if we're not in the zone. So we're going to have to get these guys ready to play in a zone. And so I, I, I confident that that's what we were watching tonight was just giving that group some reps uh, playing zone defense so that um, McMillan can maybe play him more than he might otherwise be able to uh, without that uh, kind of schematic decision. So, you know, that was the, that was also part of solo starting tonight was to give Herder time with that second unit too um, and stuff. But I, I definitely think from what I saw tonight that McMillan is working through that he's going to have to have the zone as an option at least for Gallo minutes when we get into the, the playoffs in a week and a half or so. Yeah, and honestly, I'm trying to remember the exact uh, situation tonight, who was out when, but, I mean, it wouldn't be a shock if, if Lou Williams and DeAndre Hunter were the other two players uh, sort of in that rotation, and they might have been out there at the same time tonight too. Like, if Lou plays, I would fully suspect that he would be out there in the zone minutes and I'm just starting to get to the point where, I'm, you know, if he's healthy, he, he missed tonight's game. I, I do think that Tony Snell might just be the starter in the postseason. I mean, again, it depends on the matchup, who they're playing against. But I think that kind of gets into the comfort zone of Nate's wheel, the wheelhouse of Nate's comfort zone. I was like mixing the metaphor there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think well, he's I... comfortable with, with Snell as a starter. And, and DeAndre Hunter has some rust. Yeah, I I didn't know if it suggested that Snell would start or that they're going to try to get Hunter ready to be able to start. It, it would putting Hunter back in the starting lineup as much as that group has been clicking would be a little a little bold, you know, just in terms of introducing different chemistry uh and stuff, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if Hunter is starting. He certainly is uh you know, awesome, you know. Uh has, yeah, I mean, I really, wouldn't be shocked if, like, Hunter was, like, finishing games, but I think maybe just yeah. as, like, starting games. Yeah. I mean, Snell is Snell's such a great fit for Trey and Bogdanovich because he literally doesn't care if he never touches the ball. Trey and Bogey can kind of do their thing, and Snell is, you know, will spot up on the weak side or, you know, he'll just do whatever, you know, whatever is needed. And he, he's, like, he's also, you know, minus – um, Hunter, depending upon what his actual availability is, and, and Reddish, he's one of their better, if not their best, on-ball defender right now. Uh, I mean, he's—I don't think people realize how big he is. He has a lot of size, um, and he and he moves better than I think the most people think. It, 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 I don't want to make him out to be like one of the you know premier. And that's sort of healthy you know, point, I think. Like I think. It sure is. You know, he's been yeah. dinged a little bit the last couple of weeks and maybe slowed down with that. But, yeah, when he's feeling good, he, he moves. Yeah, and, and even in the last week or so, we've seen him, you know, you know, he took Russ, you know, a decent amount. We saw Bogdanovich on Russ a lot. But, you know, Snell was the best defender they had impacting, you know, Russ in those two games against Washington. So, you know, I think solo starting was m- – mostly about pushing Herter to the second unit and giving him reps with that group. Yeah. I don't know if it means either Snell or Hunter will be likely to start, or right now if it's just a total coin toss, but that that McMillan knows it's going to be one or the other. So let's get Hunter, Herter lined up to play with Gallo and Lou. And the interesting thing about Lou is that the zone works best for him too. Uh, he's pretty bad chasing guys over screens. <laughs> um 
but um, both Pierce and McMillan like to play him on the bottom of the zone as opposed to up where the kind of traditional guards play. So typically you'll see the two wings, if we can call them that up top, in Lude down low. Um, and that, and, but that we saw that before the coaching change even. Uh, well, now I'm trying to think. Did I feel like we've, uh, seen, we've seen some of that. And even yeah. going back to like when Cam was healthy, they would do that kind of thing. Yeah. I think it was just a game or two and things like that, but for, for, for sure that would happen. Um, but that, you know, that, that helps that, I think that helps that group uh, also. Um, and I, I even think it works well for Herder. Um, I, I happened to see this. I don't remember how I saw it last night. I was going through some stats and did you know Herder is like 20th in the league in stills? Yeah. 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 So he's he's good jumping passing lanes. He's good at he's good at anticipating, you know, he's good uh anticipating things on on defense and things like that. So that that you know, zone works for that too. So it, I you know, I don't I don't know rough top of my head if like would the Knicks result in more zone or the heat. Um I, I would guess it'd be the heat. Um, even though they're a better perimeter shooting team, but the heat just make you chase over so many more screens than the Knicks do. You know, that weak side, you know, DHO and all the lifting they do and all that sort of stuff would be rough on Lou and Gallo. Um, but, you know, if, if I, I could see you wanting to pack the paint against Derek Rose too, you know, and just kind of keep him out of that, out of the spots where he's still good. So, could, you know, I think it's relevant for both matchups that might happen. Uh, we, we've talked about a lot of the bench players. Um, Where do you think Okongwu is right now? Like, just th- is is he peaking? Is he tailing off? Like, he, I mean, he looks sort of comfortable to me offensively. Mm-hmm. But what about defensively? Like, wh- wh- what are you seeing on that end from him? Yeah, I, I agree on offense. I, t- I think it's kind of a big guy, especially safe to say, when you see aggressiveness, that kind of equates to comfort, you know. And, and I think that's definitely – I think I'm seeing the same thing you are there. Yeah, he offense. looks like he knows where he can get open to get catches. Yep. Yeah. And and his he's got better judgment on on offensive glass. He's not, you know, risking fouls, which are could be a huge deal in a playoff game, you know. Um, you know, messing up the rotation if he gets a, a, a well, we could talk a minute about how much he's going to play. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not really worried about his foul trouble, but yeah, maybe I yeah. have a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess I'm thinking more about how something like that could into putting it to the team in the bonus soon or whatever, whatever yeah, it might be. But, you know, but defensively, you know, when they're playing a more aggressive scheme, he's more comfortable and he's better. He's really good in space, you know, for, for a young guy. Um, he, he's, he's not – he doesn't have as much presence kind of right at the rim, um, you know, and right in the middle of the defense. And so, you know – for example, he's not an awful matchup with Bam because Bam functions, you know, so far from the rim yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. times, you know. But in with New York, like Noel operates either in a dunker spot or, you know, diving after a pick and roll or whatever that might be. Yeah, and that's, that's probably a little harder. And, it's, and especially like – like Taj Gibson would be a terrible matchup because Taj is just so savvy and can put young guys <laughs> in tough spots and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, like it's, it's going to be like trying to push the push the open door, you know, pull when it says push. That's what it's going to be like exactly. trying to box out. 
Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's in, in an interesting way. I think he has more utility in, against Miami than he would against New York. Um, but, but I think, you know, I'm anxious to see in that first game, does he get four or five minutes in the first half? I think you and I have talked about this already. Yeah, I think so. A little bit, but I'm still of the mindset that he gets three or four, if it's going well, maybe five minutes in the first half and then doesn't play in the second half just to ease into the rotation and to not have to pull either Collins or Capella off the court right away. And then maybe the other part is that, you know, what ha- in the playoffs, maybe Hawks fans, you know, aren't as – maybe Hawks fans are a little rusty on kind of what it's like to watch playoff basketball and how different it is from the regular season. But there are times when, you know, coaches have to decide for themselves, you know, for example, oh, my gosh, Gallo is getting roasted, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, and I've got to pull him off. He was getting off. roasted against the Wizards in transition. They were just – yes. Um, just steamrolling him. They're just like, okay, you're here. We're going to go past you. We're going to go there. Yeah. And sometimes and it, he would get his Euro foul, but when he didn't, it was, it was lights out. Yeah. And it's not a, you know, it's not really a criticism. I mean, up until maybe two years ago, like even like Rudy Gobert would get played off the court in some situations in the, in the playoffs where the other team had just found just the thing to expose. He can't really hold up doing. And I mean, Rudy has, solve for that. I mean, he's a different guy now. So, but that's just an example of how good a defender can be and how in the playoffs, the team can just find that one vulnerability and you don't have to, you know, you can't just stop the game and go on the court and <laughs> kind of fix it. Sometimes the only thing you can do is pull them off. And so if they encounter a time where Gallo is not working for whatever reason, you know, who else is going to play? I mean, you could, you could swing solo to the four, you know, and get yeah. some minutes from him there if he wanted to, but you know, he, he just, a Congo needs to be ready, um, and it, it, to my mind, with a young center, if you get, if you tell him you're going to play three or four minutes in the first half, you know it, it, that's a lot easier for him to mentally prepare for what he needs to do and kind of be plan it, planful about when he's going to go in the game and be prepared for that. Then, if you have to, you know, unearth him in the second half because of foul trouble or whatever it might be, you know, if he hasn't played yet by that point in time, that's asking a whole lot of a young player to go from. I don't know if I'm going to play tonight and how do I mentally prepare for being ready to get, you know, tapped if there's a, you know, whatever. Um, I think if you just give a few minutes in the first half, that kind of gets him mentally, you know, stimulated enough and gives him enough time to, um, you know, acclimate and be ready to go in the second half if he's needed. Now, having said that, deciding if you're going to do that or not is a different thing in game one, but it is in game five or six or seven. You know, if it, if a series gets deep, then you start whittling that rotation down and you take fewer risks like that. And so if you, you know, if someone said, Glenn, tell me how you think this is going to go, I, I would say, well, I think in game one, it's likely we see a Congo in the first half for a few minutes. But if the series is really competitive and we get to a five, six, seven, that starts to disappear you know, from the rotation and you're seeing literally like seven players, you know, potentially play. And you might be surprised on who one of those seven aren't, depending on how lineups worked in the first four games of the series, you know. So it, there's there's a um, an evolution of these types of things as series gets deeper, series get deeper. And I think that's how it might, it might play out. But would I be shocked if Okongwu just doesn't play in game one? I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I think uh, Nate McMillan was asked a few days ago 
about players having to sacrifice for uh, the stretch run as as other players got healthy. And I think the three names, if I recall correctly, that he brought up were Chris Dunn, Brandon Goodwin, and Solomon Hill. And you know, we Chris Dunn didn't play at all tonight. Um, you know, I think somewhere between here and McMillan say that the other day, and with what we saw tonight, I mean, he's he's certainly probably not part of the immediate playoff plan. Sure. I think Solomon Hill, if he's not part of plan 1A, he's probably part of any plan 1B. Sure. Um, like he's, he's, you know, whatever, whatever they have to figure out and devise on the fly, it almost feels like he's going to have to be part of that. Right. Um, whether it's, you know, late game substitutions for Trey, like he did in the Wizards game, like when you just go offense, defense, yeah. you know, he might be one of the players you see out there for that, which is awfully hard to do when you don't play uh, much in the first 47 minutes. But honestly, I think they trust him that much defensively. Um, yeah, and he can sit and watch for, like you said, the first, you know, four to six minutes of the game, and then you can trust him to be ready to go in and, and do what is asked of him. I think it's harder to do that. Really <laughs> it's just, yeah. Just try to, like, wrap my head around what that would be like sitting there on the bench and then, you know, taking in the entirety of a playoff game and then just being like, okay, I, it's time to go get a stop and, and yeah. having the mentality to do that. That's Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I recall a game where – Boban was put in at the very, very end just to defend the inbound pass. <laughs> Which I, I, I've always loved that idea. That that seems, uh, you know, depending on how much time is left on the clock, if it's like right. four seconds or something, then that's that doesn't seem like a big deal at all. If if there's like five seconds left, then it's a big deal. Right. But yeah. uh, and Ed Goodwin, you know, again, probably isn't part of the immediate plan for the no for the playoff rotation, but. Um, no, but the thing for, I mean, the thing I keep saying though is for Solo, if they get matched up with the Knicks, yeah, he's, he's almost, the he's their best defender on Randall, yeah. and but that, but I still wonder, but I still wonder what the rotation, how how would McMillan, how would Nate make that work? You know, where does he fit in? You know, um, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't bother Tony Snell if Solo just started and and matched up with Randall from the get go. That's not the best offensive lineup that you, you maybe want to kind of start with there. But, you know, I'm, if they play the Knicks, I'm sure to, I have a really wide set of expectations for how Nate could handle that in terms of does um, Solo just take the minutes, the second units on the floor when Randall's on and just guard him for, what, six minutes a game, you know, or is it a really heavy load um, uh, somehow where I wouldn't be shocked if he starts, you know, against, I, I guess I'd be a little surprised, just not yeah, shocked. Be a little surprised. You know? but he, I think, yeah, he'll almost be like a sixth starter. Like he, he's right. probably going to get his minutes with other starters out there just as kind of, you know, giving waves to Randall and Randall's minutes. And then, you know, when Randall goes and sits and the Hawks have their bench unit and they're in maybe a, a, a zone unit, he probably doesn't play necessarily with that group. Right. Um, but I, I think he, you know, I think he would in that that kind of situation, he would he would get his minutes, you know, with as sort of a, a substitute for the starter. Whether it's you know, uh, you know, maybe you put him. I think you probably have him eat some of John Collins's minutes as sort of a as a power forward with the starters, yep. and then you can use Collins as as a five with the bench, right? Which you know, this is something that I've been advocating for <laughs> all yeah. long. But I think it's just a natural fit. For sure. Yeah. And then, um, 
you know, the other is some listeners might be thinking like, well, Hunter's back. Can't Hunter defend Randall? Keep in mind, Hunter has really been a de facto point guard defender from when he's been on the court this year. Which is a complete change from last year where he right. might have done that. Um, I just don't think, you know, I just, that's just a lot. Like if, if he had just played the whole year, like if right. January DeAndre Hunter had just played the whole season, then I think that's an idea that would have some merit. And I just don't think it has any given the context of, of his injury and yeah. how, how little time he's going to have to get ready for this playoff series with like actual live action. Yeah, and and if the pattern continues, I expect to see more of Hunter on Derrick Rose. Yeah, in the Rose minutes. Yeah, and which which still leaves you a gap for what you can do with Randall. I I I think you know JC is better as a you know help rim protector, and you know he's pretty athletic you know for his position on the perimeter. But Randall is just an an, an ox. He's just so strong. And, you know, and JC is more quick and a you know, quick jumper and, a, you know, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. Solo, Solo just has that more more strength to work with there. Um, he just knows, kind of knows what he's doing. I, a question for you, though, um, yeah, since you're, I, you're in most, I think most post games and, and all that sort of stuff, if not all of them, but when do you get to start asking about the playoffs? I, I, I assume it's taboo right now to wait until – I guess now they clinch, you know, you know, can you, is it after the game on Sunday, can you start asking, Hey coach is, is Hunter going to start or Hey coach is solo in or other. I mean, when can you start asking the, the head coach questions about what he's going to do to the playoffs? Is it, is it at, in post game Sunday or when, it, when is it? It's probably the first, I mean, there's already some, some post or, you know, there are already some more generic playoff questions already being asked and, I was just thinking this tonight. I mean, there are certain types of questions that are pregame questions versus postgame questions versus questions that you might ask at a practice during an off day. And it's kind of out the window in 2021 because, you know, you might only get, you know, there are just that many fewer interactions. Um, you know, you might only get to talk to two players on a given day. You know, after a game, it might be one player. Uh, or two or three. I think, you know, the other day it was like a four and it was like, wow, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> but, you know, compared to like a regular post game when people were inside locker rooms, there might be five or six and it was just a lot more interaction. So you don't know, you know like I was asking her a question. There really wasn't a post game question tonight, but I just felt like I had to because I have no idea when he's going to be available to the media again. So it's like, right. I'm shooting my shot. So this year is a weird year, and so it's hard to to fix those kind of w- rules about what's a conventional protocol to take here. But I mean, anything specific as far as like rotation and minutes and which names you're going to see and which names you aren't going to see, I don't think you'll hear anything like that until the first media availability that occurs after Sunday's game. And I don't know when that comes. Maybe it's Wednesday or something, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Not that Nate will answer the questions anyway. But. Exactly. That's the other thing. Like <laughs> you, Nate, you know, Nate doesn't want to tell us his starting lineups, and he doesn't want to tell us who's playing and not playing due to injury. So, uh, Yeah, I know. It's, it's funny. There was a game a couple of weeks ago where I, I, don't, I, I didn't see a starting lineup in our Slack. I didn't see a starting lineup on Twitter. And so I jumped into the Slack and asked the question, 
are the Hawks players learning about the starting lineup from Ryan Cameron? It was that ambiguous. It seemed like I, mean, I think it was one of those nights where it was kind of obvious because they kind of had something going two games in a row and everybody was still healthy and Nate doesn't want to tell us anyway. So we kind of yeah. presume, but yeah, I, I, I think I remember that night. It was, it was like, Oh yeah, I guess nobody really knows. And yeah. So, I mean, if you ask Hawks PR within the allotted time, you know, given per NBA rules, which I think is like 30 minutes before game time, they'll tell you. Yeah. But even that seems like it's been a, there's been a looser um, kind of less rigidity around that this year. Everything's so fluid with, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's true. So do you think, so they haven't with this, the soft landing and the schedule has helped them in terms of the goal of chasing the, the four seed and the secondary goal, we could say maybe avoiding the six seed and getting drawing the bucks in the first round. But do you think that has done them a disservice at all in terms of not really being challenged to, they haven't had to play good defense these last few games and won't presumably on Sunday to get these wins. So are you worried about bad habits or are you worried about just them not being challenged enough to kind of sharpen them a little bit like you might want? I mean, it really wasn't supposed to be that way. Like the, the two games against Washington, if they had Bradley Beal, that would have been an ideal test, you know, sure. hungry opponent, talented opponent, uh, you know, it would two consecutive games um, so that you're, you know, making a strategy and honing and refining your strategy. Uh, that, that would have been ideal. And then Beal missed. And I think it was still pretty good practice because. Uh, Russ was just a handful. Yeah. I mean, just the, the pace of that game and, and, you know, Russ was, you know, Russ was Russ. I mean, that's. Yeah, you, you, your help defenders have to be in the right spot, and you have to show bodies at the right place. So, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. I think Russ did challenge them, and he was a hand, total handful there, even though – And even, even know, guys like Alex Len and, you know, Neto, like they, they were doing their darn jobs. Like they were – there was yeah. nothing wrong about what Washington did most of those games. Uh, yeah, and then Bertans kind of took over and gave him a little Duncan yeah, Robinson yeah. preview <laughs> type of preview and – Things like that. Yeah, so I was, I was but, yeah, curious. It's, it's getting softer here at the end. Like tonight's sure. game, uh, you know, it was probably good just from a strategic point of view that they needed the win, and it was the second night of a back-to-back, so it was probably good for them to get that. But, yeah, it would it would kind of be nice for Sunday's game to mean something and have it be an opponent that is, uh, you know, playing their best basketball of the year, and I don't think you're going to necessarily see that from Houston. So, yeah, it, it, it's going to be hard, but uh, – at Don't the same know. time, you know, I think health is going to matter a lot. And just having yep. this this week off, I, especially for Trey, I just think that you, know, we used, you could see him on the sideline tonight. When he went out of the game, he was all wrapped up, had a big old bandage on his left calf. And, yeah. you know, I don't think he's feeling his physical best right now at the moment. He was on the injury list tonight. Uh, going into the game, you know, <laughs> you're going to be shocked, but Nate said he was a game-time decision. Um, yeah, well, he was like one of four guys, I yeah, think. Four yeah. starters and then and, the four – or four regulars because one of them was Gallo. Yeah. But, you know, and, and all those players played pretty deep in tonight's game. So. Yeah. And it'll be – I expect it'll be that way on Sunday too. The Knicks play early. The Knicks will be done. Uh, and, I, and I think the, the Heat play – I think the Heat start about an hour before the Hawks. So I'm just going top of mind here. But the Knicks will be done, and so the Hawks will know whether they can um, – 
secure the four seed, I think, before they tip or not. And um, and then they may even, if the best the Heat can do is tie them, then they'll have the tiebreaker. So they, you know, they may shut you know all those guys down, <laughs> a lot of those guys down on Sunday, or just play them, you know, the first half, or first half, or whatever. So. Yeah, they probably all bets are on. Just kind of don't bet the Sunday game. Yeah, don't, don't, not, bet, the, don't really bet the Sunday gambling. game. No, it, <laughs> it could be just about anything. But uh, yeah, I do think you'll see. Uh, I do think to see the starters for a bit. But like I was saying with Trey, I think the time off is going to help him immensely. And I think Capella too. Like I asked Capella tonight how he was feeling. He was on the the injury list for I think a bruised heel, which has you know just been something that's been an issue for him for a while now uh for a couple of years and you know you can see that when he's feeling good he's an amazing player and i, th- I think the time off is going to help him a lot so uh, some guys so look critical. great like john collins looks great right now and of course bogdanovich yeah. is like i i just i don't want him to take any time off at all i just want there to be games for him right up until the playoffs so it might, might not be in his best interest that he gets a week off but no, I know it's when when you got it going, it's like oh, you know that break. <laughs> yes. How do you keep it going? He's he's been crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, just it's just it's been nuts. But that, I I think the maybe most importantly, Trey. You mentioned it a minute ago. Trey getting some time off. You know, it's it's been interesting to watch the three point shot has kind of disappeared on him yeah. the last few. And weeks. I just think that he's the kind that you know when he gets a week off, he knows what to do to kind of get his shot yeah. right. I think he's just a student of the game and he knows his own shot to the point where, you know, when it's time to hone it, he knows what he's going to do. And now he's going to have the time to do it. So. Right. Yeah. And then the, it's interesting too, because the floater is better than it's been all year right now, you know? And so that's, that's encouraging. That'll be a real weapon against uh, presumably against the Knicks because Tibbs like to drop, drop his big. I think we (laughs) talked about the magic tonight. They, They were like ultra drop. It's like, Come on, guys. There's there's drop, and then there's whatever you're doing, which is like <laughs> standing with your head touching the strings of the net. Like that's not yeah. going to work. Thought somebody's going to break out a lawn chair, <laughs> lawn chair for a minute. But uh, but again, you know, against the Heat, you're probably going to see you know less of that. Heat'll he, yeah. Heat'll have like a we. I think we already hit on this once before, but Heat'll like have a Riza on him, and you know Andre on him, and you know uh, it'll ne- never ending. But I, if you've if you've been watching the Knicks last few week week or so, Neela Keen is back in the rotation. Tibbs has gotten him back out there, and I think maybe reason number one is to get him ready to defend Trey. <laughs> yeah. So I think I that's that. a thing. Yeah. That's that's a good word. Maybe we should end there. I like that. That's yeah. something. That's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to do this, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Would love that. Thanks, Kevin, for having me. All right. Have a good night. You too.